When you know how the enemy plays his, that game, you're, you're more prepared. Okay, I see what's coming. And what happens is when you notice that, then you strengthen yourself even more instead of becoming weaker. But he's going to be pretty strong right now. He's going to say, no, no, I can't do that. But a little thirsty and a king's delicacy and riches, a reward. But, but he stood strong, thank God. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Man, he was pumped up. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear part one of this special message from Pastor Shane titled, A Man of God Can Be Deceived. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 warns us, For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and be turned aside to fables. Today we hear Pastor Shane sound the alarm to the church that there is no substitute for God's Word, no additional option alternatives to the Holy Spirit, and only one way to live a righteous life, that of a saving relationship with Jesus. You will either live for Christ or against Him, each with a completely different effect for eternity. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. A man of God can be deceived. A man of God, a woman of God, can be deceived. And of all the stories in the Bible, I don't know how many of you have read through the whole Bible, this one is in my top three or four of things that make you go, hmm, very interesting. And I want to just go through it with you. And let's see what God wants to say to us this evening. 1 Kings 13.1 And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Now that right there is interesting. That, that preaches a sermon, but I'm not going to, to stay there. Because you, what is a man of God or a woman of God? You hear that phrase, even David was a man after God's own heart. And sometimes we think that a man of God, a woman of God is someone who is perfect. And if that's not the case, I need to, if that is the case, I need to sit down. But it's a man or woman who keeps falling forward. They get back up and they get, they, they seek God. They messed up, they own it, they repent, and they seek God. They get in His Word, they live as, as closely as they can to His Word, they, they're, they, they want to, to, to serve Him, but like Paul, oh wretched man that I am, I, I, I want to do good, but, so, but evil is present, and so it's this, this struggle we have. So, and people, you know, so, oh, I'm not a man of God. I'm not, well, sh- sure you are. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you're getting back up and you're fighting the fight of faith. The Bible calls that a man or woman of God. And then it says, though, that he went, he left, he took a journey by the word of the Lord. God spoke to them, to this person, to this man. 
And I believe God still speaks to us today. Very controversial topic, is it not? You watch charismatic TV and you're going to hear some interesting things. Or you hear very conservative fundamental churches. You know, it's only by the Word. Only by the Word. No, no, there's no other way God speaks to us but by His Word. And I've talked about this a lot before. I think obviously that's the primary way God speaks to us. Through His Word, His principles, it's laid out. But again, I need a little help. I trust God. I don't trust me. And God can direct us through other means often. He directed this person. We don't know exactly, but somehow, some way, He didn't turn to the Septuagint and turn to this certain passage and knew what to do. God led him. Maybe there was a prompting. And I'm, I'm okay with prompting as long as they line up with Scripture. She was prompted to come and share her healing testimony with me. Okay? You can't turn to 1 John 3 and, and read that. So that's what people, I think they get kind of confused is the Bible is our main source of direction. It's all the principles we need. It doesn't, it doesn't give us every single, every single situation, but it gives us every single truth for every single situation. But then that's why the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, come alongside of us. That's actually what the word paraclete, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps to guide. Jesus said He will guide you into all things, teach you all things. And so this man was led by the Word of the Lord and he obeyed that Word. That's the key. And if you don't know if something is of God or not, I think it was Chuck Swindoll or Charles Stanley many years ago when I first came back to the Lord, I'll never forget what he said. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. And I can't tell you how many times that saved me. Right? From buying a house to opening the church here. Uh, the timing, because a lot of times it's not timing. The timing's not just right. And stay, pray, and obey. Stay in His Word. Pray, obey His principles. That's the best way to be led of God's Spirit. Stay, pray, and obey. And even saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need Your direction. I need Your help. I need Your support. I need Your guidance. And I, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to wait until You show me. And He will show you. And sometimes it's, at, it's in that waiting time that we are shown. I can't tell you how many times I've just waited and I've got a phone call the next day. <laughs> Can you, you, you understand? And confirmation, or Lord, I don't know what to do. I have no clue. I'm, I know I share this a lot, but a lot of you are new. And this, this is just the most profound thing that's happened in my life. One of the top three or four. But when we were praying about buying the radio station, I told my wife, I said, I'm not praying for this anymore. This is the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard of. What am I? I'm going to run a radio station. Give me a break. I don't know anything about managing a Christian radio station. So Lord, unless this is you and you show me, I'm done. And I just let it go. A couple of days later, Susie emails me and said, hey, there's a guy here right now. He's a Christian radio station manager. And he's considering moving out here and he's following the ministry. And so, long story short, he said, oh yeah, I can run it just you know, remotely. Here's it's pretty easy. I'm like, darn it. God. You know, and so he, he knows your heart. You know, we, can't keep, we don't want to keep beating ourselves up by this mean God who has all these rules and regulations. And if you don't exactly fit in my you know, box here, you're not going to make it. 
If it wasn't for God's mercy or grace, I wouldn't be here to keep falling forward and getting back up. And He will guide those who are willing to follow. That's the key. And so this man, I better get, get to this or I'm not going to get through this. So he, he heard from the Lord and Jer- Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now, this man of God, we don't know his name. A man of God, so he was obviously what would be considered a prophet. A prophet in the Bible. You know, we hear that term now. I mean, there's kind of weird, weird thoughts about it for, from some camps, but it's very biblical. The Bible is very biblical. Some of, some he's given to be a prophets, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, different callings. Greg Laurie's callings is different than someone else's. John MacArthur. You know, they, there's different callings. At that, then the prophetic calling is, the, the, it's, it's, it's sharp. It's, it's convicting. There's not a lot of gray areas. It's like, whoa, this guy's either upsetting me or convicting me. You know, it's that, it's that, that prophetic voice. And so he was a prophet and he went by the word of the Lord to this altar where actually this Jeroboam was one of the kings and he was, uh, this is actually back when you had, um, Saul, then David, then Solomon, and then it breaks up into the northern kingdom, southern kingdom, Rehoboam, Jeroboam. So this is one of those kings that was evil and wicked. And they're, and they're, they're, they actually have fake priests that God, God was not happy with these priests because they were sh- sacrificing to Molech and Astaroth. And so this prophet is going to call out this king and he's going to stand by this altar where they're burning the incense. So let's look at that. So then this, he cried out against the altar. So that prophet cried out against the altar. And that happens. Many of you can relate, even if you don't have a, a prophetic gifting. Does something ever rise up in you where you want to cry out? Where you want to raise your voice a little bit? Where you want to weep over the nations, or the sins of our nation? Where you want to weep over what's going on in our countries and our families? And you look at all these videos and all this delusion and all this satanic activity and you want to cry out against it. That's okay. That's a burden of the Lord. Oh, would be to God for more burdens. Here's why burdens are so important. The burden of the Lord, what does it do? We need you. We need you. I'm so burdened. I'm so broken. I'm so so alarmed at what's going on. And so he had this burden that the, the false king allowing false prophets to sacrifice on the altar. And so he cried out to this altar, O altar, O altar, thus says the Lord, behold, the child Josiah by name shall be born. And if you know your biblical history, who was Josiah? He was an awesome king. He came in and he cleaned house. He burned some bones. He pulled them out of the graves and he burned the bones on the altar and he, he called down heaven. Sometimes you gotta get a little radical. We don't need to do that. We don't need to get violent. We're in the New Testament church, but we need to get violent with our prayer life. We need to get back to pulling down dead things out of our lives and getting to this altar and crying out to God. And so he said, Josiah is coming on foretelling of what's going to happen. He shall be born of the house of David and on you, O altar. Remember, he's talking to the altar right now, not to the king. The king's listening and the king's not too happy. 
He's calling, he said, on this altar, this king is going to come and they shall sacrifice the priests of the high places on this very altar. So the priests are sacrificing false sacrifices on this altar to these false gods. And God says, because of them, I'm going to judge them and I'm going to sacrifice them on the altar. Wow. God doesn't play around. Man. And men's bones shall be burned on you, O altar. And he gave a sign that same day. This prophet, prophetic spokesman for God, said, here's a sign, king, that this is going to happen. The Lord has spoken, and surely this altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. Sometimes God answers by fire. Sometimes He'll answer. A lot of the revivals I read about, I love revivals. And it's, it's not many times they'll, they'll record it in their journals. It was like a sound of a rushing wind came in and just blew over the people, convicted and broke them and humbled them. And as we read in the book of Acts, tongues of, of fire, these, these flames of fire were, were on them. And he said, I'm going to show a sign. It'd be like me saying, God's going to show us a sign. I hit in that, that alt, that pulpit just splits in two. I, I would stop preaching. Worship team, come back up, please, because I'm about, I'm going to be here for the rest of the night. Right? The God who answers by fire, let him be God. And I don't know why he doesn't do that more often. I've thought about that a lot. I don't know. And he gave a sign. He said, This altar, this altar shall split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. So they had this altar this false altar, and all these ashes were there from past sacrifices. So he said the altar is going to split and all these ashes are going to pour out. And so it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar. In other words, he's, he's calling out the king. He's saying, you false king, you allow false priests, you allow false prophets, and the judgment of God is going to come upon you. Do you think he liked that? Same as in our day. How long do you think I'd last on Hollywood Boulevard right now given this message? <laughs> put, put up, I mean, if God wanted me to do it, right? But put up a little, you know, a little stool with those egg crates. Stand up there and repent, repent, repent. Nope, they're not. Mm, 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 it's not going to be good. They don't like that. The, the darkness hates the light. Hates the light. And so the king got upset. What did he say? He said, arrest this man. Arrest him right now and punish him. But then his hand was withered back so that he could not pull it back to himself. So I guess it withered out here and it just stuck here. And then the altar was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, okay, he's changing his opinion real quick, isn't he? He said, arrest him. God withered his hand. He said, okay, hold on, change your plans. Go to the prophet. Go to the Lord. Please, please pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God went to the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and it became as before. Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. Something if we're not careful, this whole topic is the man of God, a woman of God can be deceived. We see a temptation right here, don't we? 
God told them, don't eat, don't drink, don't do, don't do anything there. Go, go preach to that and get out of Dodge. And now the king is enticing him. Remember, sin fascinates before it assassinates. You can tweet that one. Sin fascinates you before it assassinates you. And something I've noticed over the years is it will, it will, dwind, it will, it will try to wear you down. That's the word I was looking for. You ever feel real strong? Like after Ren the Heaven service, nothing's going to take you out. And then things begin to wear you down. The drink you said you'd never go back to. The person you said you'd never go back to. The drug you said you would never go back to. The anger you said you would never go back to. It's gone. Praise God. But then it begins to wither at you. Wither, you wear you down. Anybody relate? Or I'm just, am I being too transparent? Every hand should go up if we're honest. But that's how it works. And I believe if you're forewarned, you're forearmed. Man, when you know how the enemy plays, when you know how the enemy plays his, that game, you're, you're more prepared. Okay, I see what's coming. And what happens is when you notice that, then you strengthen yourself even more. Instead of becoming weaker, and weaker. So I can only speculate, but he's going to be pretty strong right now. He's going to say, no, no, I can't do that. But pretty sure the thought came to his mind, probably hungry, a little thirsty, and a king's delicacy and riches, a reward. But, but he stood strong, thank God. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Man, he was pumped up. He was on fire. Man, I love that boldness. I can relate to this guy, can't you? Heck no. You're not. There's nothing you can do. I'm so full of God's Spirit, and you are. The enemy knows it. So he's going he's gonna to wait for opportune times. Isn't that funny? When the enemy left Jesus, the Bible says he left and he waited for an opportune time. And those who have ever struggled through addiction or struggled through things now, they teach you something called the HALT principle. H-A-L-T. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. He'll use that against you. So whenever you're feeling hungry, angry, lonely, Tired, those can become opportune times. Why? Because the flesh is weak. And whenever the flesh is weak, that's where he strikes. Don't believe me? Just think about it. Just think about the last time you fell. I mean, I can get home from, from this tonight. My kids leave the front door open. The dogs are still in the house. They make a mess. They go to the bathroom on the kitchen floor. I don't care. It's rend the heavens. I've been filled with the Spirit of God. But I come home to that tomorrow afternoon when I'm hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be more upset. So you watch for these things and you know what happens is when the enemy's looking for these opportune times, we become weaker instead of stronger. So I want to encourage you in those times when you're, when you're feeling 
that weakness, that's when you need to strengthen the guard. That's when you strengthen the guard. That's when, that's when the, you right run into the Delilah. That's when so, the, the enemy might plant a certain thing in your life. Is in these opportune times that he's looking for. For it was commanded me by the word of the Lord. See, he's going back to that initial word. And you need to do that. There, there's, this is so rich of just practical advice. Remember what God first told you. Remember what He told you to do. Stick with that. But we start to compromise, don't you? I remember when God calls me to fast, after about three days, I'm, I'm, my mind says, oh no, He didn't tell me to do that. Devil's a liar. Was that, was, Morgan, was that God? I don't think so. I, and she said, three days ago you were convinced. What changed? <laughs> what, I'm hungry now. What do you mean what changed? See, the flesh starts to speak and starts to raise its voice. And that's why faith is so important and perseverance and fortitude, biblical terms, where you strengthen yourself in the Lord. And you say, Lord, come hell or high water, You said this, I'm going to obey it, even when I don't feel like it. And watch the floodgates open. Watch the filling of the Holy Spirit come into your heart and into your life. And that strengthens you for the next half day or day. That strengthens you instead of weakens you. And so he's, he's full of confidence right now. God said, I'm not going to eat bread. I'm not going to drink water. I'm not even going to go. I'm not going to return the same way I came. Now, it's interesting. I don't, I mean, this is a fast. So I don't, is he supposed to fast? I mean, I don't know. It it looks like that's what he's supposed to do. Don't eat, don't drink. I mean, it could take on a lot of different meanings. It could mean, you know, you're eating, you're drinking, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, just staying uh, around the king. You're staying in a place maybe you shouldn't be. Hello? So God's like, speak what I want you to speak and get out of there. Don't start to compromise. Don't be like Lot. Do you realize he got closer to Sodom? Isn't that interesting? He was outside of Sodom. He got this great grass area. And then before you know it, you keep reading. Now he's living in Sodom. Maybe don't become comfortable. Get out of there. Or it could have been fasting because he had a prophetic word. God met him in a powerful way, and that's what fasting does. But he said, don't go the same way that you came. Now, here's the interesting thing about God's word. When he says things like this or says something to you and you, you get confirmation scripture, don't, don't think it's always going to make sense with your eyes. This didn't, why, why am I not going to go the same way? How does, how does, God knows if there's danger on that same path. We don't. Now, if God doesn't make sense, we want to be careful because He still gives us wisdom. I don't know. God told me to sell my house, give my, all my money away, and get a tent and take my family to go live up on that mountain? I mean, I don't know. That's God. Because the Bible also says if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel unbeliever. So see, you have these biblical principles to help balance what you think God might be calling you to do. And you know, you, you, you wait on the Lord and you have that, that assurance. The Holy Spirit bears witness. And I've learned over the years, I don't share too much with other people because the Holy Spirit doesn't bear witness with them. What He's told me, and maybe I'll share it in the future, I don't know yet, but I've, my, my wife knows and there's something I've been praying about. And if I eventually do it, <laughs> three or four people that I've told this to, they're like, no, I don't think that's God. But you're supposed to seek godly counsel, right? He's calling, wake up, child. It's your turn to shine. 
You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.